The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers. I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe. The Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Big Six Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Princeton. I'm your host, and I am the one who calls this extreme delay. Apologies for that. If you are listening to the podcast, it is likely Tuesday, May 17th. If you are enjoying it on YouTube, it is Monday, May 16th, around 1.13 p.m. in the afternoon. <clears throat> anyway. Joining me to look at best bets for week one with the lines out thanks to the schedule, the one, the only, R.J. White. What's up, buddy? What's up, Will? I'm excited to get going on that classic start time of 1.13 p.m. for shows. Um, so so I know it's a coveted slot for, you know, advertisers, <laughs> that 1.13 slot. So should be a good show. They say that the um, the 18 to 35 demo is like really it really keys in on those those uh those odd numbers so 113 a, a key number there i feel like i'm uh every time i've unpacked this like my audio equipment I, if, if it turns out to be a disaster for me to reboot like to get everything back together which should be a surprise to no one you may also notice that my lighting is not working in my office because i didn't have time to get it up because anyway who cares um so the schedule came out last week and as soon as it did, in fact, even before the schedule came out, RJ, we started getting lines for NFL games in week one. And I mean, I, it's obviously like a, a little tricky to bet on week one because we're so far away from the actual football starting. And so many things are going to happen during training, you know, during the offseason, OTAs, training camp. You know, like we don't, we don't ex, like usually think there'll be a ton of like, quarterback injuries, but you never know. Um, what, what, just a general approach to week one, do you tend to be a little more cautious, um, et cetera, et cetera? Well, week one is different from any other week because we get the lines months in advance instead of, you know, seven days in advance. Or, right. you know, if you play the look ahead lines, 12, 13 days. Um, and I think there's actually a lot of opportunities. I mean, you're always going to have injuries that mess things up. But, you know, some of these numbers that are out here are going to be two, three, maybe even four points off of what we see that, you know, to Thursday, Friday, Saturday, right before week one. So, um, you know, you, if you can read the market well and you jump on these numbers early, you're going to have a great number. And you can sometimes get, you know, a couple points on either side of a key number and just play it back and you're making money either way. So, 
Um, I think you do want to play some of these lines early, especially the ones where it seems like some things aren't being taken into account. Like we're going to get to the Browns game. Um, but, you know, some of these some of these lines are a little interesting, and I would love to jump on them now. Others I might wait, thinking that the move is going to go, you know, toward the team that I wanted to fade anyway. So I'm just going to try to get a few extra points down the road. And, and you've talked about a little bit with, as it relates to, um, like, betting. I guess we were talking about it sort of in, in, the, in the context of COVID and, and you know, whether – you, know, you wanted to be careful about betting games too early because of you know you did we didn't know what was going to happen with those protocols and and maybe leaning towards underdogs do you, would you would you have a preference for dogs underdogs as opposed to favorites when you look at week one or is, that, is it just really more about which line might move which direction I think it's more about the lines moving in each direction. I have a preference for underdogs early in the season anyway, because we get a little more certain. We think we're more certain on things than, than actually is going to happen. The right. NFL, it's it's unknowable, really. I mean, there certain teams you know are probably going to be pretty good. There's certain teams you know are probably going to be bad. But there are surprises each year. And, you know, the lines that we see in week one, and once we get to week five and week six, you look back at those week one lines and say, man, if we knew now what we knew then, we wouldn't have made, you know, the 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 Cardinals as big underdogs, you know, when they start out seven and oh last year or things, things of that nature. So uh, I think there are things, ways to attack these lines and, and go for those underdogs. If you can identify the teams that are better than people think. All right, well, let's, uh, let's dive in. We'll rip through the games and we don't have to spend a ton of time on each game, but you know, if you have a lean, uh, certainly sort of, you know, same shorter, same format as we do our pick show, short, but shorter version, uh, Bill's Rams at the uh, Thursday night opener, just an outstanding game. Um, you know, your Buffalo Bills getting to play the defending world champion in their house in front of the entire world. The Bills get in 11 days and get the Titans in week two at home on the Monday Night Football doubleheader, which is, an, I mean, not an easy couple of matchups, but very nice to get that those two breaks in before those big games. Rams are minus one here with a total of 52 and a half. Yeah, the defending champions typically do pretty good in week one, but then then again, they're not playing teams as good as the Bills, who are the Super Bowl favorites right now. So you can see why the line is where it is. It seems pretty fair to me. I have Buffalo as one point better on a neutral field, um, so I would probably make this line Rams minus one and a half. So um, I might lean is to the Rams. I'm unsure what we'll get from the Buffalo offense with the ball gone. You know, will will they be able to stop the pass rush on the offensive line um, in this particular matchup? Is my worry. You know, with, with how good the Rams have been in that sense. I think Stafford should have success against the Buffalo secondary without. Tredavious White, he's not going to be back to start to begin the season. Um, so the Rams will be able to move the ball. We think the Bills will probably be able to move the ball, but if it gets to a point where they're having to throw, 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 I worry about the pass rush, just being able to pin their ears back and get after them. So another key stat here is Rams 5-0 and straight up and against the spread in week one games under Sean McVay. Um, mm. So so I don't know how line, that this, that this line is going to move much, so I don't think you have to jump on it necessarily now. Everybody knows how good the Bills are. It's going to be close to pick them either way. Um, so no hurry to play, but my lead's probably going to be on the Rams. Yeah, I would go the same direction. And I mean, yeah, if you want to pick Buffalo, that's fine. I've been, look, I've been, I don't want to say I've been stealing your line about Ryan Dable because I've been crediting you every time I use it. But I think it's like really, really just underrated. I mean, you're talking about a offensive coordinator who's been with this, you know, with Josh Allen for several years. And now you have, a, you know, it is a transition, even if it's just getting used to how Ken Dorsey's going to call games or Ken Dorsey getting used to calling games. And if you're going to pick a spot to, to try and you know figure that out like on the fly like your first game could be a little rocky you could come out a little slow i mean we never know um so i would lean towards the rams as well the ravens at the new york jets baltimore a four and a half point road favorite i i mean i get it you know they're the ravens were are a better team than the jets we think is there any chance the jets are one of the surprise teams this year 
I think there is. I mean, there's a lot of love, a lot of um, you know consensus building around them being an over team on their their win total of five and a half. I believe that's the most popular play right now at Caesars on the win totals is over five and a half for the Jets. So it seems like people are having a little bit of optimism for the Jets. Um, if Baltimore, you know, doesn't get rocked by injuries in August again, this line could inflate because if Baltimore starts looking healthy in August, then teams will be then the betters will be like, well, I think Baltimore is definitely a playoff team. The Jets definitely aren't, so I want to be on the Baltimore side. Um, I'm not sure how much we can trust the Baltimore passing game with Bateman as a number one receiver. I mean, Mark Mark Andrews is technically the number one there, obviously, but um, you know you need some receivers to to throw to as well. You can't just rely on the tight end. Um, I wouldn't be shocked this being a low scoring 2016 type of game. I'm okay taking the points with the Jets. Um, the average team was about 1.6 points better at home. Um, Baltimore is six point worse on the road. So they're, they're a lot going on the road last year. They were a lot worse than the typical team. So I think you should play the under here. I think it'll be a more of a low scoring game. And uh, as long as Baltimore again, doesn't just have a rash of injuries in August. Yeah. 45 and a half. That, that number probably comes down uh, still sitting there uh, as of, as of today on Caesars, but, you think about how much the, the Jets want to run and how much Baltimore does run, and you figure you could get uh, plenty of moving clocks in this particular game. I would probably lean Baltimore as well if they're healthy. I just don't necessarily – and a lot probably depends on how you feel about Zach Wilson and whether or not you think he can you know, take a big step forward in his second year. I'm certainly a little skeptical, but especially against a team like Baltimore with tons of time to prepare. So I would lean Baltimore. I like that undercall uh, as well. Saints at the Falcons. Saints are a four-point favorite on the road and in, in like the most bitter NFC South uh, rivalry there is with a total of 42 and a half. Um, if Drew Brees comes back, does this line move to uh, Saints minus five? Yeah, I don't know if he's coming back. Saints I wouldn't. minus three? <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm not sure what to expect from the Saints offense without Sean Payton. The defense is probably going to be strong. Atlanta is tied for the worst team in my power ratings. I, I've already you know put my preliminary power ratings together to figure out what I would put these lines at. Who's, who, are um, they, I, who are they tied with? The Falcons would be tied with the Panthers and the Texans right now. I have them, I think, oh, around seven seven points worse than average. That um, checks out. I mean, this, this yeah, is a bad so, Yeah, and I don't expect much excitement from the home crowd here because they know it's going to be a bad team, and it's it's a rebuilding year with what they have at quarterback. Uh, they were one in seven against the spread at home last season, worse than the NFL already. So I like the Saints side of this. Um, that I would make them a best bet at this point in time. You know, one of my top three or four picks. Um, offense for Atlanta prove, has to prove to me they can backdoor cover with Mariota or Ritter at quarterback before I worry about them storming through the back door. So I expect this line to inflate once we get as we progress through the next few months, and by the time it's in August, late September, six. It's at six, six and a half. So I would jump on it now. Wow. That's a, I mean, that's a huge, it, it, I think that the part of the problem is when we think about Saints Falcons, you know, you just, I, I, in my mind, I just traditionally think about a close game between two teams that hate each other. And even when the Saints were much better, the Falcons would get up. And even when the, the Falcons were better, the Saints would get up and they would always play them tough. But I mean, again, you go back and look at this roster and if you're picking like building block players for the Saints, I, I mean, I guess you could go with, Chris Lindstrom or Caleb McGarry? Well, they picked up one of fifth-year option of the 2019 draft uh, first-rounders, but not the other. Kyle Pitts, certainly a blue-chip guy. Drake, Drake London will give you know credit for as well. Um, and then it gets a little di- – AJ, AJ Terrell, too, is uh, is a blue-chip guy. But, and, like, Arnold Ibikidi, second-round player, who's you know, like basically their primary pass rusher off the edge. I mean, it's just, it's just not a very good – it's one of the worst rosters in football. And – the Saints do not have a bad roster. Our only question is the quarterback position and the coaching setup. And Dennis Allen has shown that he's a you know, very good defensive coordinator. He's been a head coach before, so he's not going to be learning on the fly. If Ritter beats out Mariota, then I think you have even more questions about 
the Falcons. So I, I tend to agree with you. This line has actually moved a half a point um, since uh, since the lines came out, I think, on Thursday or Friday, or Friday, I guess. Uh, so if you like the Saints, as RJ does, you would want to take them now. The New England Patriots and the Miami Dolphins. Dolphins minus three at home. This feels very much like a, we're not sure what the Pats will be. We're not entirely sold on Tua. Let's just make it uh, you know, three points. You know, the standard, like the old school home field advantage line. Yeah, but I think this actually reflects a lot of a lot of optimism in the Dolphins. This would be the first time the Dolphins would be favored by the against the Patriots since week 15 of 2013. So this would be the first time in nine years that, that the Dolphins would be favored against the Patriots. They're drawing a lot of buzz after their offseason. Two is still a big question mark, learning, you know, learning a new system, new coaching staff there. Um, Bill Belichick, two and seven straight up and against the spread and past nine road games against the Dolphins. But again, he's favored in all those. And this is going to be, he's not going to be favored in this one. Um, Miami swept the series last year, but New England easily won in total yards in both games. So it's not like they got outplayed. You know, they, they played well, just didn't win on the scoreboard. Um, that New England offensive coordinator situation is weird, but it's almost certain Mac Jones is going to have continuity with his playbook no matter who's calling plays. So, so I think he's going to be more comfortable in this offense in year two. I don't think this line goes higher than three. I don't think anybody wants to to give the Patriots that many points. So I like taking New England now, um, and we'll see if it comes down. But I think three is the best we're going to get it going to get, and I would lean New England in that sense. Yeah, three. You know, the Pats is Pats is underdogs when. You know, we have all these questions about Tua, but I don't think I have a ton of questions about Mac Jones. I mean, I'm, you know, I mean, like, what, what kind of ceiling does Mac Jones have? But I feel comfortable with Mac Jones, um, you know, performing at a, at a fairly high level. And I believe that if you look at Tua's stats, I am having trouble recalling a good game that Tua has performed against Belichick. Am I wrong there? Did he? Has he even sixteen to twenty-seven for two hundred two, a touchdown and interception last year to start the season? And then 15 to 22 for 109 yards in a win in uh, in week in week 17 last year. So and he didn't have to do much in that game. They were ahead, I think, most of the time. So they they yeah. obviously are going to take the ball to his hands in that sense. I mean, it is a very very and, and uh, no, do coaching staff totally different ball game with Mike McDaniel. But man, I mean, like the last the three times that he's played against New England because he did not play in, in the first first game in in week one in 2020. I mean, his his top yardage total was 202 yards. Like he's never hit 30 passing attempts against uh, Belichick, and I think that was probably by design. Wouldn't be surprised if the Dolphins do sort of something similar. And and yeah, with Liam Pat's getting the points because you know, like a principal play with Belichick. The Cleveland Browns are headed to play the Carolina Panthers in Week One in Charlotte, and the Browns are four and a half point favorites now. I believe that they were actually it did open at four and a half, and the total there. 43 and a half. I would guess that there's, I mean, obviously everything hinges on Deshaun Watson. I mean, I was, I was talking with Nick Costas, our, our you know, former co-worker. I was doing you better. You bet uh, his show last week. And we we're when these lines popped out. It was like, I, I guess Browns minus four and a half, assuming Watson plays. Um, like what's the line if Watson doesn't play because he has to be worth a lot of points to the spread drop off to Jacoby percent, but like I, I, he can't make the Panthers favorites here. Right. Yeah, it seems a little bit of a hedge to me. I think if he doesn't play, I have the Browns as two points worse than average. I said I had the Panthers as tied for the worst team in the league. Um, so you factor in home field advantage for for Carolina's unique home field advantage number that I have. And I would put this line around three. 
So this seems a little high to me if you think that Watson is going to be suspended in week one. So the market doesn't know or is leaning toward he's not. I'm leaning toward he is. So I think Carolina is the best bet right now at four and a half because, um, you know, with with Brissett on the road, I, that Browns team is just going to go out and run the ball. Not going to let him throw much. They don't really have a ton of weapons in the passing game anyway. Um, so I would look to play the under, um, you know, if you think that Watson's going to be out and the Browns are just going to run the ball and the clock's going to chew up and the Panthers aren't going to do much on the offensive side against that Browns defense. The Browns are 0-16 and 1 straight up in the past 17 season openers and 5 and 12 against the spread. So if the Browns do go out with Brissett on the road in this game with that hanging over them, you know, they could easily get upset, even if the Panthers are a bad team, because um, they just can't can't get it done. This this is following this franchise around. We'll see when Baker Mayfield gets gets traded, because if Baker's still on the roster. And uh, they're, they deactivate him because they don't want to get him hurt. And they're trying to trade him still. And I mean, it could be just a complete mess there. So I would lean to the Panthers here. Yeah, I, I, again, it probably boils down to whether you like what you think Watson's going to play or not. Here's the thing. The NFL has no interest, 0.0% interest in going into the 2022 season with still trying to figure out the Deshaun Watson situation. Like they don't want Deshaun Watson appearing in two primetime games and everyone talking about, well, the NFL is allowing him to play even though he's still under investigation. I mean, they will probably, you know, they would, I don't think that they would, um, I don't think they would, I think they would, I think they will rush the investigation and make an issue a ruling before the season versus allowing Deshaun Watson to play with the investigation and just the, you know, the 22 sexual allegation lawsuits pending over his head. So I, would um I would take the Panthers here as well because I think that we'll get news about Watson. The line will come off the board, and the Panthers. I mean, maybe it's Browns minus two, but maybe it's a pick 'em. That's a ton of value though. Uh, at four and a half, you're talking about a home team. Should be a decent crowd, and uh, they're going up against a potentially a team led by um you know Jacoby Brissett. All right, Steelers at Bengals. The Bengals are a six point favorite against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Pretty wild to just to see that written down, but. Not all that illogical, given that Cincinnati was just won the AFC and Pittsburgh is going to be either using Mitchell Trubisky or Kenny Pickett. I would guess Kenny Pickett, but I'm not sure that probably six half dozen here, honestly. Yeah, what a world where the Bengals are laying six points against the Steelers in week one. Um, you know, but that's obviously, like you said, a, a condition of the quarterback situation. Pittsburgh offense might be on par with Carolina's considering their quarterback situation and their offensive line. Like, I don't have any faith in them at all. They have a good running back, so does Carolina. Um, so I don't know what they're going to do offensively. Their defense can keep them in games, but that's going to be much easier to do if they get an early lead. And this is going to be a tough team, I think, to get early leads against with how explosive they are. Can put points on the board in the first half. Since he did a good job addressing the offensive line, had an underrated defense last year, I think they win this game easily. My lean's to the Bengals, but I don't think there's a rush to play it. Yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't know that Mitchell Trubisky or Kenny Pickett makes a big difference. Um, and, and I don't think this will go over seven. Like, I don't think they'll, like, try and like, – one of the things I think that we've seen sort of from these week one lines too is an inclination, if possible, to like stay at two and a half or stay at like five and a half, like stay at five and a half or six and a half. You know, like they don't want to push it past those those key numbers um, if possible. In certain, like you don't want to give the Steelers seven. I'm a little surprised they're giving the Pats three. You know, there we are. Uh, I think the, the under 44, what did it open at? Opened at, uh, yeah, 44. So it actually hadn't moved. I'm a little surprised. I, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I want to see this. But I need to see the Pittsburgh offense and how they look in this in training camp before I even think about this. The 49ers at the Bears. This line is actually uh, a six-point – 49ers are six-point road. We don't even know who's starting at quarterback for the 49ers. We assume probably Trey Lance if Jimmy Garoppolo is traded or cut. But they are six-point favorites at the Bears, probably because the Bears did 
absolutely nothing this offseason to suggest that they actually like Justin Fields. And the 49ers were big favorites last year on the road in week one. They played the Lions, and they were seven, seven-and-a-half-point favorites. Got bet up right before the game started. Closed at nine. I believe it landed on eight. So if you got the right number, you know, that was right around where it should be. Hey, I'm the hoping – The Lions were, like, borderline – like, didn't they – they stormed back, and then, like, the 49ers somehow like, had a miracle cover. It was wild. Yeah. The Lions did, yeah, because the Lions were not in that game at all, and they came back and covered and got the eight if you got it on the closing number. Um, I hope Lance's announces the starter and Chicago takes action and drives the line down because people don't know what they're going to get with Lance. Um, but I think if Shanahan is going with Lance and he's the starter, he's already built a dynamic offense around him that it's going to be impossible to be ready for in week one. You're going to have to get some tape on it. He's not going to show it to you in, in, in August, obviously. Um, so I think they could come out and just run roughshod over the Bears with that unit um, you know, in week one. Chicago seems like a team with fields and a new coaching staff. That'll be better later in the season. They'll need some time to get going. Um, I'm likely going to want to be on the San Francisco side here. But like I said, hopefully some announcements, some news come out, and we'll get a better number, and we'll drop to four and a half or four before we have to play San Francisco. I mean, don't you think that the the like the uncertainty surrounding Trey Lance and just sort of last year is going to make people a little hesitant to back the 49ers out of the gate? Right. They want, they'll want to see before they believe. So if he does announce that he's the starter, people are going to go, well, he didn't play much last year. And when he did, I wasn't convinced. So, um, I, you know, they could be a little rusty out the gate. But I think that the offense just changes dramatically if he's your quarterback versus Jimmy Garoppolo. So you just can't prepare for it. So whatever they throw out against the Bears, it's going to be hard for them to stop defensively. And I don't think they'll have the offense to keep up, considering San Francisco has such a good defense. Um, you said it was Carolina, Atlanta, and Houston that were – dead last in your power rankings tied. I can't imagine the Bears are that much higher than those teams. Yeah, I have the Bears right now as four points uh-huh. uh, worse than worse than average, so actually a decent amount better. I just think that they – I like their quarterback situation better than some other teams, you know, sure. like the Gi- Giants, Jets um, on that list. Um, I think there are teams on this list that are going to move up. Um, I think Jacksonville is better than we think. Um, you know, I have them at six and a half points worse than average, but going into week one, you can't make them like, you know, four or three points. So right now I have the Bears with the the, the Seahawks right now at four points worse than average. That's around, I believe, the 23rd, 24th ranked team. Okay. So, I mean, yeah, they're down there. I think that I think a few weeks in, you're going to look at the Like, I think the Bears will be behind Jacksonville and um, – Certainly. Uh, let me see. I guess Seattle, too. Um, Seattle's just weird. But, like, you know, they added two – the two second-round picks are probably, like, potential starters on defense. They just – you look at this roster, they just don't have a lot. They just don't have a lot going for them. And they didn't really do a whole lot to, you know, make you believe that they want to, Justin Fields to improve. So, I, I would look at San Francisco here for sure. The aforementioned Jaguars are headed to – have a – bright red logo at Caesars for the Jaguar. Weird. Uh, heading to Washington, where there is no logo, to play the Commandos, Carson Wentz and company. It's hilarious that Carson Wentz, the NFL's sense, scheduling sense of humor is just amazing. Like Carson Wentz loses in week 18 to the Jaguars as, with the Colts last year, which causes him to be booted from the Colts, cast off into to Washington, and now the NFL is allowing Jacksonville, now coached by Carson Wentz's old coach, Doug Peterson, to come into Washington to be his first game uh, with the Commanders. Do you think he has? Uh, will have a PTSD coming off of this this uh, this Jaguars matchup? And or I, I think Jacksonville's a good spot here, personally. Yeah, if Wentz is bad, shouldn't these be similarly rated teams? I mean, yep. Trevor Lawrence is better than 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 Wentz right yeah. now, talent wise, and yeah. um, you, that team's not going to be as dysfunctional as it was last year, obviously, with a professional coach in place. We also know Washington's home field is never great, so this line right now thinks that Washington is a, is a significantly better team 
than Jacksonville. And I don't think they are. I think they're pretty close. Um, so you can't overrate having a competent coaching staff in place. So this feels like a low scoring field goal type of game. Love catching four and a half. I think Washington should be at best two and a half point favorites, but probably even a little bit lower than that. Yeah. I, I mean, like I, I think people, I think we're probably really like, I don't think the Jaguars are necessarily like a good football team, but I think we are probably drastically underrating just how much of a leap Carson Wentz. I mean, excuse me, Trevor Lawrence can take, with a guy like Doug Peterson coaching him versus Urban Meyer. Absolutely want to take Jacksonville here at anything more than that, you know, that key number three. Philly at Detroit. Philly minus three and a half at the Lions. This is actually the exact – we talked about this. Uh, Costas and I were trying to predict what the spread would be. And I almost guessed. I was almost like, all right, it'll just be the same line as it was last year when Philly went into Detroit and absolutely blitzkrieged them, like 44 to 16 or something like that. Uh, the last game before Philly's bye. Uh, you like him as a three and a half point favorite here. With the uh, against the fighting Dan Campbell's, it was actually forty-four to six, and oh, Philly had right. lost. Philly had lost five of their previous six games coming into that that week, and then they just went out and did. Everybody that. was on the Lions for that game. Everybody, yeah, yeah, it showed you that, and that was kind of the the first inkling that Philly had a good coaching staff in place that was willing to adjust on the fly, change up their offensive philosophy, and and do what they need to do to do do to win games, which I love. You know, being versatile and being adaptable on as a coaching staff rather than saying this is what we do and we're just going to out execute everyone you know just do what you need to do to win and if you have the horses in place to do that that's great i think detroit's going to be better this year this is really about the market undervaluing philly to me i, I like philly three and a half is a best bet to uh to start the year here this line only makes sense if you think philly's an average team but i think they're better than that love what the coaching staff showed last year and then you talk about all the talent they they added you know in the draft in this offseason um i have them with a three point better than average rating um they were seven three and one against the spread last year against non-playoff teams so you're gonna hear a lot over the next few months about philly kind of like beat up on these non-playoff teams but then you mm. play the playoff teams and they were they were they were bad so they're one of those good bad teams or bad good teams however you think about it but we know detroit's not gonna be a playoff team so they should beat up on them again i think it's likely this goes to four than three so i'm fine laying the hook right now i don't think we're gonna get a three yeah, I mean, the, I think the Eagles are a good football team. I can't believe they're still plus two hundred or more to to win the division. Like, if you're getting two to one to win the to win the NFC East, go take that, please. Like, they, they got a lot better this offseason uh, relative to how Dallas uh, improved. Indy at Houston, huge divisional. I, feel free to agree or disagree with that NFC East take. Um, Indy at Houston, the Colts are seven and a half point road favorites against a division rival to start the season. Yeah, I think it's a fair line if you just look at their ratings um, and how the strengths of these teams. I would only look to take the points with a huge home dog in week one. So, you know, this could be a sense where the Indy blows them out, but I just can't lay this many points. Not not knowing, having so many unknowables in week one going into the season. Um, you know, I'm pretty aggressive with Indy's rating. I only got this two, seven and a half. So I think it, the line is correct, but I had to be aggressive with these teams being, like I said, Houston tied for the worst in the league. Um, they might, other people might not think they are as bad as in Atlanta or Carolina. And then Indy, like I said, I think it's going to be pretty good so i think this feels similar to san fran and detroit last year that late steam closed out at nine like we were talking about and at that point i'll probably look to play houston back interesting thing about the Colts is they lost eight straight season openers and they're oh six and one against the spread in their last seven season openers so they do not do well in week one and frank reich's been around long enough that you can attribute a lot of that to him remember they got upset by jacksonville and then jacksonville went on to lose this 15 games whatever year that was a couple of years back right. um so so you just can't i don't know that you can trust them in week one new quarterback in play probably going to take some time to gel. So I think Houston's probably the right side here, but I don't think you have to rush to get it. We might be able to get a little bit better line later later down the road. Yeah, and 
Also, like, you know, if you, if you want to bet on this game, keep an eye on how Davis Mills performs in offseason and, you know, what kind of hype we're getting out of there. Um, you know, there'll be plenty of, like, oh, Matt Ryan is changing everything in Indy, blah, 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 blah. But watch how Mills performs, and, and maybe that will uh, shift the line a little bit. All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, more Week 1 Lines. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. So the Giants at the Tennessee Titans. The Titans are a six and a half point favorite against a newly coached Brian Dable Giants football team. Um, Tennessee in like sort of this weird transition spot. You know, they, they trade AJ Brown, they draft Desmond Ritter. Who, like if Ryan Tannehill wasn't dealing with that contract, I don't think people would be hyping, or not Desmond Ritter, they draft Malik Willis, excuse me. I don't think people would be hyping up the idea of bringing Willis as much uh, as they are. But very clearly, there's some some sort of larger picture stuff, transition stuff happening with Tennessee. Yeah, who knows how that pass game looks in week one without A.J. Brown. He was such a key piece to it. Um, Robert Woods was brought in. Um, he's expected to be healthy for week one. We have to prove that in August. You know, we'll see um, how he looks. And if he is healthy, this line probably gets to seven. People were going to remember the end of last season, how much of a train wreck the Giants were. That was the coaching staff completely giving up on them. They just weren't trying to win games. They would just hand it off and run into the middle of the line. They weren't even calling plays, I don't think, with Joe Judge. Uh, Giants are 0-5 straight up and against the spread in their past five season openers. But again, this is a new regime, new GM, new coaching staff. I like this coaching staff. I think they're going to be better this year than they have been in the past. Um, so I would want to be on the Giants here. Um, but, you know, I think it might take a, a little time for them to gel, especially with how many additions they made to the offensive line. Um, so probably a good underplay here for me, um, thinking that the Titans offense isn't going to be great if you can, you know, hone in on on, uh, on Derrick Henry and just stop him. And then you don't expect that uh, Ryan Tannehill to Robert Woods and Traylon Burks is going to beat you. Um, they're probably not going to score a ton of points. So I would probably play the under here on my lean is to the Giants, I don't think there's a rush on this one either. Yeah, I mean, Tennessee, I got killed uh, during the show with Breach talking about the, like, the schedule, and people were like, the disrespect you're showing to Tennessee is outrageous. And I'm like, look, I, I like the Titans. I've always liked the Titans. Um, I've been like, a, I feel like I've been ahead of the curve on, on, on backing the Titans, but I mean, man, like you trade AJ Brown and Derrick Henry's all busted up, and Ryan Tannehill's didn't get a new contract. It's going to have Malik Willis biting at his heels. I mean, it's a lot. It's a lot to be concerned about with Tennessee. That's a lot of points. Las Vegas at Los Angeles. The Chargers. The Raiders are or the Chargers. Excuse me. Are minus four 
hosting the Raiders. That actually feels a little light to me. A total here, 49 and a half. Yeah, if you remember from our futures talk, I was very high on the Chargers this year, um, but I don't want to underrate Vegas either. Making the playoffs last year amidst all the turmoil speaks to the talent on that roster and speaks to Derek Carr as a quarterback. I know we've had our fun going after him in the past, but he's really been a really good quarterback in this league for for several years now. And um, I think with the the pieces they put in place around him, they could have a really special year this year that what people aren't expecting talking about the Chiefs and Chargers. So I think that Vegas offense has a potential to hang with anyone. And that Chargers D struggled mightily last year. We thought they were going to be good with the new coach being a defensive minded coach. And they just gave up points like a ton. So uh, by the ton, so they, they brought in more talent. They're going to be better on defense defense this year. This feels like a back and forth game to me. One team wins by two or three points, you know, just going back and forth and then a late field goal wins it at the end. So if you're going to give me four, I'm going to take those points because I think this line probably should be three or three and a half. All right. High, a little higher on the Raiders maybe than I thought you would the char- like the chargers are, the chargers are going to be another pop- preseason, like, like darling of NFL media people and, and various fans who like you know, want to buy futures on them. Herbert, of course, you know, under t- sub 20 to one, maybe sub 15 to one to win MVP. The Chargers add all these players, lots of headlines. They are still the Chargers though. So be wary of that factor. Chiefs at the Cardinals. Chiefs are a three point road favorite against Arizona with a total that is actually, no, it was, Somebody told me it was 56. It was 54 now. Maybe it's 56 in, in other places. It's a big, big number. Uh, but these are two teams that, you know, with certain questions on defense and potentially explosive offenses, even with um, uh, the departure of Christian Kirk from, from Arizona and Tyree Kill going to Miami. Yeah, and with Hopkins out and the drama around Kyler, too, I expect this line probably inflates people who want to be on Kansas City here. Um, I'm not worried about the Murray situation, and I like that Arizona's gotten out to hot starts in the last few years under Cliff Kingsbury. I still have Kansas City as one of the top teams in the NFL without Tyreek. I put him six points better than average just with that quarterback and coaching staff. I still think there's value on Arizona at this number, and I think I'm probably higher on Arizona than the market is. Um, So once this gets above three, I'm going to look to jump on Arizona. If it's still three in September, I might still play Arizona, um, but but I think it's going to go up. Okay, there you go. Um, Look, the Chiefs, I think it's probably a little bit of Kyler Murray, you know, the concern about, is, uh, Kyler Murray's going to sign a contract in the next like three months, and it's just not going to be a big deal after that. That he, you know, deleted the freaking Cardinal, Cardinals from his Instagram, which is just the stupidest thing in the world. Green Bay Packers at the Minnesota Vikings. Green Bay minus one and a half now. I believe that actually opened as a pick 'em. Oh no, Debo uh, had uh, one and a half on uh, last week. Never mind. Um, I, I started to pick him somewhere. I like the Packers a lot here. New coaching staff in Minnesota. Yeah, the offense should be a lot better than what Mike Zimmer had, but you know they're gonna you know you'll be learning the offense, and they built that whole that whole offensive line was basically um, built like designed to run a Kubiak style system. Not that uh, Kevin O'Connell's would be like you know it's not like drastically different. Like there are definitely some concepts that work with it, but I just sort of wonder how that may affect this running game. I, I like the uh, I like the Packers, and I think there's a Devonte Adams factor at play here too. Even though Aaron Rodgers has been very good without Adams on this team. Yeah, people are worried about Adams. Otherwise, this line would be bigger. Minnesota's underperformed in the Simmers last few years. I don't think that turns around in week one, no matter who the coaching staff is. Again, like I, I love the Giants coaching staff now, but I'm not necessarily thinking they're going to come out and, and destroy the league in week one. You know, I think it's going to take time. Rodgers' worst game last year was week one. And, you know, with those major questions about the receiver core, I don't think this line inflates a ton. But even without Adams, you know, like you said, he's had success without him. I expect him to take care of what's going to be a new coaching staff, get a win pretty, pretty easily here, um, you know, even 
even if the Vikings can come back, this line is, is, is low enough that you're not too worried about a backdoor here. So I like the Packers minus one and a half as well. Yep. Uh, that's, that would be a best bet for me. And I think that this line actually, pro- I mean, I don't know if it gets the Packers minus three, but you know, you can get the money line now and it's a, it's a pretty good, like, I mean, let's see what the, the money line is actually. I think I lost. I clicked on the wrong thing because I'm an idiot, which happens often, often around these parts. Um, I got to be minus 125 right now. Yeah, just bet the money line. Like, I think the Packers are going to find a way to win. I mean, I mean, you, you know, or if you want to bet lay the one and a half, whatever. Um, anywho, I'm somehow like drifted into like an entirely different week. There we go. I got it now. They all they, they completely changed up their order. How fun. <laughs> this is a disaster now. The, uh, we have three. Do we just have the two primetime games left? Is that right? Just the two primetime, yeah. Okay, just making sure I didn't miss anything. Um, but the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the Dallas Cowboys. Bucks. I was shocked by this line. It opened, I think, Bucks minus three, maybe two and a half at Caesars. I, I, I can't, like, the Cowboys almost beat the Bucks last year. I know the Cowboys haven't had a great offseason, but it's in Dallas, and the Bucks are uh, were two and a half, three favorite. That seems like a lot. Over under 52, hefty. And then go toe-to-toe with them in week one. So it's the same situation. You know, you're going to be prepared, same coaching staff. Almost one in Tampa. Now it's in Dallas. I agree. This is the biggest gap between the Vegas line and my ratings. I had this line four points off. I'd make Dallas minus one and a half in this game, even knowing how good Tampa Bay is. Because Dallas was good last year, too. And I know, again, division, they play some easy teams. The line treats them like they're, they're you know, an above-average team instead of a good team. They were number one in DVOA last year, number two in point differential. Um, I feel better about them this year, going into this year, than I did last year when they when they almost beat the Bucks in week one because of how well the defense performed. That looked like a special unit last year. Um, and I feel worse about Tampa Bay going into this season without Bruce Arians. I think he he's you know an exceptional coach. You can't win win the Super Bowl without a good coach. Um, and uh, and you know he deserves a lot of credit for what he did there. I don't think they just keep rolling. Tom Brady, you know, it covers a lot of ills, so I don't think they're gonna be bad or anything, but I don't think you can just assume the Bucks are head and shoulders above the Cowboys enough to make them two and a half point favorites on the road in this matchup. So Love the Cowboys right here. Best bet of week one right now is Dallas plus two and a half. Yeah, can't, couldn't agree more. I mean, it's like Dallas should just be favored at home, uh, you know, for for an opener. Like, I mean, there. Yes, is the do I like? The, I mean, uh, do I like the Bucks to be a better team over the course of the season than Dallas? Absolutely. But Dallas almost beat the Bucks last year in ta- you know, in Tampa as an eight and a half point dog. Give me the Cowboys as a best bet as well. And finally, the Denver Broncos at the Seahawks. Russell Wilson. I mean, again, this NFL schedule maker is just an incredible sense of humor. Uh, they are sending Russell Wilson to home, to his old home. Monday Night Football. Broncos minus three and a half. A total, of, total of forty-one and a half. The not a not a not a not a, not a really inspiring uh, a case for Drew Locke from Vegas there. Yeah, great storyline. Not sure it's going to be a great game. I think it's a fair line at three and a half. We'll see if Seattle does anything different at quarterback. You say Drew Locke. I mean, Geno Smith might be the number one quarterback. We just don't know at this point. Um, There's going to be a bunch of people backing Russ uh, on the day of the game here. They'll lose their money in week one. They'll all want to be on on the Broncos Uh on Monday of week one. So I think we might get some decent value on Seattle if you wait until Monday, you know, day of the game. So I'll wait to see what number I can get Seattle at. I think this could be a close, low-scoring game. I know 41.5 is a low over-under. We see unders tend to come in early in the season anyway, so I wouldn't mind playing under 41.5 even at that number. Um, And I'll probably be playing under in a lot of Seahawks games unless they, you know, get a good quarterback and look amazing on offense. But I think you're going to be a run run the ball and play defense type of team that you're going to want to be on unders on. 
Yeah, I agree. I could agree with that more. So what, what's the implied team total here then? Let's see. So you split it in half. It is about 21 on each side. So you're looking at what, um, 23 and 18-ish, so 22, 19, somewhere around there. Yeah, I mean, I'd probably probably look at the Seahawks team total under two. I mean, you know, unless they're just getting trounced in this game and have to keep coming back. I I think you're like, I think what they are going to do all season long is is what you mentioned, but it's not even like run the ball and and play defense. I mean, I think that's what they're going to try to do. But I also think they sort of realize the only way they're going to win games is by just muddling up games, like turning these games into slow pace slogs, low scoring affairs where they can sort of steal one uh, late in and they're going to start it out heavy in week one by not wanting to give Russell Wilson the ball and chances to carve up that defense as secondary uh, in, in his old stomping ground. So I agree. Yes, as few possessions as possible. That's going to be the mantra for, for every Seahawks game. Let's put as few possessions as possible into this game and uh, and get it to where, you know, random variance uh, plays more of a factor. You know, a good bounce of the ball here or there. We can win some of these games. So 2011, just to, because I think this is a good example, 2011, um, the, first, the first year, or the last year without Russell Wilson, Seattle averaged 20.1 points per game, right? They only gave up 19.7, which is seventh in the NFL, but they gave up, they scored 20.1, uh, 23rd in the NFL. And then in 2010, uh, when they, 2010 was the Matt Hasselback year, 2011 was um, the, uh, the Tavares Jackson year. They averaged, in 2010, they averaged 19.4 points per game. So we have a history of Pete Carroll without Russell Wilson operating these sloggy games and just being willing to try and steal games late. And um, they've just been, they're just a different team offensively without Russell Wilson. I expect that to revert to pre Russell Wilson norms uh, with him gone and, and drew lock in there. I don't, that was just a rant about the Seahawks and scoring eight points. I don't really think it was a question. Um, all right. You know, the week one thoughts before we get out of here. No, um, you know, like we said at the top, you know, there is value to be had on these teams, especially when, when you can see that they're going to move one way or the other. Um, so you, there, if you, there are games that I like here that I wouldn't play now because I expect to get better numbers, there are games that I would play now that I might not necessarily like as much, thinking that I'm just the value's too good. And and you know, in when we get to September 5th or 8th or whatever, then I'll, I might reevaluate this game differently and play bigger going back the other way. Yep, I agree completely. Make sure and uh, yeah. Subscribe, rate, and review. Take some advice. Take this advice so you can get these best bets in early. Lock down some best good lines and come back and get a window. Maybe we'll uh, we'll win both. Uh, thanks for uh, thanks for all the time, RJ. Of course, you was always the best. Thanks for everybody who listened for watching. We'll be back tomorrow, of course. Never ending daily NFL podcast here on CBS Sports Big Six Podcast for RJ. I'm Brinson. We'll talk to you guys later. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.